We're going to be in the book of Mark this morning, Mark chapter 5. Wow, what a great song. Mark chapter 5. Brother Trey, I need you to help me out. I neatly set a little thing of Kleenex that's set just for here on my desk. And they're on my desk. It won't do me a bit of good. Thank you. Keep turning my back to you that way. Mark chapter 5. I'm going to bring you a simple message this morning, but um, one I've had on my heart and I've prayed over for you with it, about it. Familiar account to those who are familiar with the Bible. Some of you are not. You don't need to be ashamed of that. Don't be satisfied to continue that way, but that's where everybody starts. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. We need an official fancy title for the guy who brings the Kleenexes. <laughs> um, but, the, uh, but you have to start somewhere. So don't let your lack of knowledge keep you from learning what you can and uh, getting what you need to. When you come to church, you ought to come to expect something from the Word of God and expect God to, you know, to help you, expect God to talk to you through His Word. And I don't think that that's something that will ever be disappointing when people actually come looking for that very much. I love that song they just sang. What do I do? Mark chapter 5, look in uh, verse 21, pretty interesting, he, uh, <laughs> he had just dealt with the uh, fellow that was uh, possessed of the devil, that was in such very bad shape, I remember about him of course, and uh, crying day and night, cutting himself, no rest, couldn't be controlled, couldn't be contained, very horrible shape. And Jesus came and that changed. And uh, they came out and found the fellow sitting, clothed and in his right mind. And then the people of that area did something pretty amazing and they saw the fellow was right and they saw a huge herd of swine which had run into the sea and <clears throat> they were scared of it. They didn't understand it, whatever all the motive and reason was. And they asked Jesus to leave their coast. They said, we want you to leave. He had done this fellow all kinds of good and all that, and they said, we want you out of here. And so Jesus left and did as they said. He would come back to that region later with good effect, but he left for that point in time. And then when he left there, he got back into his ship, and verse 21 is where we're going to pick this up and see what happens next. Very eventful series of time there. In verse 21, it says, When Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. By the way, we find in the other accounts of this, we find she's 12 years old. And uh, 
there she was, and, and she was dying at home. And this ruler comes to Jesus and says, you've got to come help us. Verse 24, and Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. The idea of thronged is the people were pressing in on him so hard and so much that he couldn't make progress. He's trying to get through the crowd, and they're just they're all over him. He can't go forward. He's trying to go to Jairus' house. Jairus' daughter's nigh to the point of death. Jesus is going to go there. He's trying to get there, and the people are thronging against him with that. And yet there's someone else that has a great need also. And, uh, and she enters into the picture here with what happens with it. Verse 25, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. Now look at verse 26. And had suffered many things of many physicians. Now, people draw all kinds of different conclusions. I don't believe that every one of these physicians she had ever went to was just a quack and didn't want to help her. I believe there were a lot of men past what they had the ability for. They couldn't, uh, they, they couldn't help. They didn't have the answer. That's often the case, isn't it? I think the further I go in life and the more I understand a little bit about things, uh, I'm more amazed that, uh, uh, that uh, doctors ever get a, uh, get a diagnosis right rather than that they miss some. Do you know how complicated we are? And you can, you know, three people can have the same disease and they don't react the same way to it and they don't share the same symptoms and you try to treat them and they don't respond the same. So I guess that's, uh, that's kind of the way it works. But she had been at this for 12 years. I know some of you, I mean, in this room you, you've had, and I'm not going to ask you to say what it was, but you've had some kind of ongoing illness you've dealt with or some kind of ailment for years and years and years, okay? It gets old after a while, doesn't it? And this one and that one, and maybe you heard this will work and that'll work. And if you just drink Aunt Granny's tonic water, you'll be fine. You know, you get a lot of advice and a lot of people. And then along comes the internet and you get, you talk about information overload. You know, it's pretty amazing. And Mark Twain said in his day, he said, don't ever read a health book. It was a funny quote. He said, don't read a health book. You may die of a misprint. Amen. And so, <laughs> have to be careful what you do. Well, this woman's situation is serious. Now think about what Jesus is dealing with here. He just dealt with this wild man who was so possessed of these devils that identified themselves as legion. God had given a victory there, and yet the people of the area, their heart didn't receive the Lord, and they asked Him to leave. Uh, he travels back over. He has a ruler of the synagogue come and says, My daughter, my 12-year-old daughter is getting ready to die. If you'd come, she can be all right. Jesus is trying to get to his house. There are so many people pressing against him and the crowds gathering around him that he can't make progress from point A to point B. But then you have this woman and she, unknown to any of that crowd, this woman for 12 years has suffered greatly and uh, she's not gotten any better. It's interesting. Let's go on and keep reading with this about what happens with it. And I'll pick it up in verse 26 again. And had suffered many things and many physicians. So that leads me to believe that some of the things which were attempted or tried or whatever uh, may, may have been hurtful, painful, or taxing on her in one way or another. And had spent all that she had. In Luke 8, where this is given out also, it says that she had spent all of her living. She had no resources left. She was, she was out completely. And she had spent all that she had and was nothing better but look at this, but grew worse. That's a, that's a rough way to be. When she had heard of Jesus, 
came in the press, you understand, in that crowd of people behind and touched his garment. Now, I'm going to tell you something here, and I'll be very appropriate with it, but if you were to read in, uh, in uh, uh, Leviticus 15, you would find out that with her particular ailment, she was not supposed to be in that type of situation. She was forbidden by Mosaic law to be in where she was interacting and encountering and physically encountering against people. That's important to understand. She was, she was taking a step that was a very bold step with what she's getting ready to do. And there's a reason why she, you're going to find out she's scared when Christ does what he does for her. And that's because according to the law that was given, she was supposed to keep herself back out of way. Not as a leper would, but certainly not coming in a crowd and pressing together against people. And you can study out on that on your own later uh, if you go to Leviticus 15, but you'll see there's another dimension to what's going on here that's pretty intense. And so here she comes in the press. She comes in that crowd. If you can imagine, uh, if you've ever been in a situation, have you ever been in such a crowded situation, you're trying to get through it, and it's, you know... Think, think of Black Friday back before the Internet. You could buy things. And people were mugging each other for uh, Cabbage Patch Kids. <laughs> we're going back a ways. All right. There you go. Why are you talking about Cabbage Patch Kids? It's just as dumb as anything going on this year. Okay. A different way. But, but, it, but you, you got a crowd coming in on you. And that sort of thing. And she gets right in the midst of that. He, she had heard of Jesus. And so she comes to him. She has a great need here. And uh, verse, look in verse 27. And, and she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garment. She didn't even try to touch him. She tried to touch his garment. That was not allowed with the situation she had. But she tried to touch his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Let me just interject. I would, we would look to God for our wholeness in every area of our life. That'd be a good thing, wouldn't it? Then verse 29, 29, and straightway, in other words, there's immediate effect, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, he knew that this, this, this power from himself, he knew that this virtue, he knew that this, uh, this healing had went out from him. He, he, he knew something had happened. It's interesting. Look at the... I love the disciples' reaction to him. He, he turned him about in the press. Get the picture. Crowded street. Everybody's trying to go over. Master, master, they're reaching out for him. And he turns around and <laughs> he asks a question which seems kind of funny. He said, who touched me? He said, who touched my clothes? It was about half the town seemed like they touched his clothes. But he said, who touched my clothes? Verse 31, listen to the disciples. This is great. And his disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging thee? And sayest thou, who touched me? You, you can always hear the tone of their voice. Really? <laughs> Jesus turns around with this crowd and he says, who touched my clothes? And you almost hear Peter say, really? what? Really? What, 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 are you, what are you asking us? Do you, do you see this crowd? And who's touching you? No, but here's the thing about it. There was a crowd thronging him 
but there was one that touched him. And there's a difference between those two things, what happened. And look what happens to this, verse 32, and he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. He knew he was looking for a lady. And uh, he turned around and asked about this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, I mentioned the earlier to you about the fact that she uh, wasn't supposed to be doing exactly what she was doing because it's important to understand she was afraid because of that. But she, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. It's interesting. In Luke's account, in Luke 8, it expands further on that statement. She told him all the truth. It says she told before him and all the people the reason why she had touched him. That's the terminology that's used. The reason for which she had touched him. So this woman says, here's why I came to Christ. Here's why I touched you. Here's why I came up to that. And, and so she admitted this thing. This is what I'd done. And uh, look at Jesus' response to her in verse 34. And He said unto her, Daughter, what an affectionate term. Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. By the way, I'll not preach on this, but then that next verse tells us that someone came from Jairus' household and said, it's too late, your daughter's already dead. Seemed like just uh, how overwhelming that would have been. Jairus was trying to get Jesus to his household and this other woman, this woman comes and gets healed and then he gets the news that the girl's dead but yet Christ tells him, he says, he said, don't fear, only believe it. Christ actually resurrects her. In fact, when he goes in and says she's only sleeping, the people, it says they laugh Jesus to scorn. Oh boy, this guy's supposed to be some kind of teacher and he doesn't even know she's dead. But yet he does something that no man can do. And he's able to meet both needs here and both extremities. But I got to looking at this thing and uh, uh, thought on some thoughts of it. I want to talk to you this morning in a few minutes about the touch of faith. The touch of faith. Let me give you some simple thoughts on this this morning, which will apply. And, uh, of course, her situation there, we don't find another one exactly like it in the Bible. Certainly, Jesus healed a lot of people while He was here. We don't have a promise for a healing for everything that comes into our life physically, although God certainly is able to. We do understand it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this is judgment. So there is something, whether it be an illness or an accident or such thing as we call them, that will at some time take our life. We understand that. But here Christ healed her. And in so doing, He teaches us some spiritual truths by that. And uh, so let me help you if you would. Just keep your hands down a little if you would. Everybody behind you is watching your hands instead of what's going on up here. Uh, let me give you some quick thoughts about it. First of all, let me say to you, her faith is based on hearing. It said right there in the passage, listen well to this. Her, it says right there in the passage, that her faith was based on hearing. Here's the question. What do we hear? You know, the Bible says faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. She had heard about Jesus Christ. Somebody, Nate, had been talking to her about Jesus. Someone had told her about this prophet, this, this one who had come, and as I understood him to be, this one who many believed was the Messiah, and he was. And someone had told her she had a need and whoever it was that told her 
could not fix that need. And I won't belabor this, but none of the physicians could fix the need. Only Christ could actually fix the need. But somebody had told her, you need to get to Jesus. You need Him. I don't know who that was. It's not mentioned. Maybe it was public talk and that sort of thing. Certainly he was well known at that point in time in his ministry. But I don't know who it was, but wouldn't it be a good thing to be able to be somebody who's a part of the process of someone hearing what they need? Hearing that they need Christ. Hearing what they need for their soul. Hearing who they need, more emphatically, for their soul. So her whole process began with hearing. I heard that there was something. I'm glad that first time I heard the gospel was out on a hay wagon out in a hay field. I'm glad for that. I'm glad it came to me there. I'm glad that I heard it again from other people. I'm glad that I heard it until that good day in 1980 when I heard it and believed on Christ. I'm glad that I heard something about Christ. Now some of y'all, and I'm not poking at you, believe me, I think you've got a great heritage. I, I, I am glad for you with it, but some of y'all have been brought up around church all your life. There's nothing new about that. You've heard since you were small. You take the word of someone who did not hear when they were small. That's a wonderful thing to hear about Christ. Not religion, but Christ. And so the whole thing of this touch of faith started with her hearing something. I wonder. Interesting. Isaiah, your friend that you brought with you a couple, three weeks ago, he's moved back to Columbus now. Right. Right. But that morning that Isaiah was here, he talked to you, Brother Keith, and, uh, and accepted Christ as a Savior at the end of the service. Now here's the thing about it. We don't know if we'll have a chance to influence his life again or if he'll ever be around for us to get to again or not. But we had the one time. One time to put something in. One time to let something be heard. One time to let the gospel be heard. Hey, don't despise the fact that you may not have, you may not be the person who gets to keep working with somebody, but you can be the one who lets them hear for the first time. You can be that somebody who's the first person to tell them something about the Lord. Maybe put a piece of gospel literature in their hand, that sort of thing. He did pass. He did took the Bible. He took that Bible that you guys gave him. Took it with him? Took it with him. Good. So, Good. I'll tell you, he did not leave God. I'll tell you that. I believe it. I believe it. And he he got to move back with some family and that sort of thing, but I'm glad he was here. He sat there right after the right after service and he saw Keith out. It would just be your charming smile. He, he got to meet you ahead of time. I think you all talked a little more of the service. Yeah. And so he came back and uh, I want to talk to him. But here, here's this lady. She has a faith that causes her to go through this crowd and want to touch Christ. And once said, if I may but touch His garment, I'll be whole. And this faith began with her hearing something somewhere. May God help us to be a voice of clarity in a confusing time. May God help us to be a voice of certainty based on the Word of God in a time when people don't know what's coming and what's going. May we, may we do what we ought to do as God's people. Then, I want you to know something else. Her faith focused on Jesus alone. She didn't care about that crowd. She didn't care about what she was going to have to go through to get to Him. Her faith was focused on Jesus Christ alone. I've told you before, and I'm thinking of a particular person, and I mentioned him before, and they had never given the name out. He is not been in our church. He was never a member of our church but attended here somewhat off and on regularly for a while. Many, it's been a good number of years now. But I mention it because two things. It serves so well the purpose of 
helping you understand something about faith. Number two, it's not the only time that when I mention him, I think to pray for him while I'm talking to you about it. Fellow came to our church and he would sit and he would talk to me and I'd talk to him about the Lord and we'd get talking. And there was always a great uncertainty because as we would talk conversation, he'd say about heaven, well, I hope I make it someday. Well, someone can talk that way because of the doctrine they've been around and they put them in that position and they actually have faith in Christ but they're just kind of the teaching right? they've been around puts them in kind of a wishy-washy position with that. In other words, if you know your Bible doctrine, you can say with certainty, I know one day I'll be in heaven because of what Christ did. It's not arrogance. It's not boasting. It's not look at me, what a wonderful person I am. If anybody's going to make it to heaven, it'll be me. Come on, that's sick. And what it is is saying, I believe Jesus is who He said He is and He accomplished what He said He'd do. And when He said it is finished, guess what? It is finished. And when He came about the grave, He had power enough to save me, to break the hold of sin in my life and to give me a new life. I believe that. Either that's enough or I don't have a chance with anything. I mean, so but some people talk a different way. But he'd go, oh, I hope I make it. But he'd be talking about that. Well, I'm doing my best. You see that kind of language? He forever spoke to me as a man trusting in his works, not in Christ. And so when I would talk to him in detail about belief in Christ, here's exactly how the conversation would switch. He would say, well, you know, I just have great faith. Even my mom said, I have great faith. I have always thought that I had great faith. And you know, I've always been a person. I'm not real sure about it. I've been a person of great faith. And I, would, I got to where I'd ask him. I'd call his name. And I'd say, faith in who? Faith in what? And he'd stop, literally, and look at me. Well, I used to have great faith. So what? So, so what about the faith? The issue is not the so-called substance or how strong you think your faith is or how strong your faith is or isn't. Where is it placed? What, what, one thing that I worry about, one thing that bothers me, and, and I understand and I appreciate the confidence of it. I really do. I'm not, I'm not slapping people. Uh, every time somebody will say to me, Pastor, we have such confidence in you. We have such faith in you. Put your faith in Christ. I will serve you to the best of my ability. I hope God gives me grace to stay straight and stay as I want to stay. He certainly will give me grace. I'll have sense enough to take what he has and use it right. But your faith needs to be in God. You know, back over five years ago, you came about that close to, to ending up without this pastor here. I didn't know for sure if I'd be able to continue with this pastor. Now God's given great, great victory since then, and I now have at least as many active brain cells as I had before. So whatever deficit I'd started with, I'd still have, and I'm happy with it. <laughs> and you're tolerant of it, so it's a good relationship. But that quickly. Well, your faith needs to stand in God. And so her faith was in Christ alone. See, that's what it really comes down to, Brother Chris. You know, it's not, it's not really anything fancy. But where, where's your faith? My faith is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest rain, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All over the ground, sinking sand. That's all it is. And so my faith's in Christ. I've known some people that um, have been a blessing in my life and some people have been very strong people, have lived, tried to live what they believe. I've never expected, I hope, I don't think I have, expected out of a person something beyond what people are capable of, in other words. 
Uh, and, and so, you know, some weaknesses or things you see do not throw me off the rails because I figure most people are people like I'm a people. And so that's, you know, that's not shocking to the system. And I've known some people who, um, seeing them put in adversity and seeing them go through trials and seeing them go with blessings and watching their walk and watching what they are and how they respond, it makes me sit back and say, my goodness, that person there loves the Lord. That person, it's real with them. They're not doing it for show. I'm glad for people like that. But if any one of those, and I'm glad for people like that in my life now, but if they step aside, they're still Christ. Um, there have been people I've started, you know, uh, on this uh, thing of walking with the Lord with and no longer serving Him, but Christ is still Christ. There are people who've instructed me who've gone by the wayside, but Christ is still Christ. There's uh, entire groups from which I've had to step back from because they've decided to wander off who knows where, just change what they're doing, change who they are, uh, step away from everything that they ever held to be true. And, and my heart breaks for them, but... Jesus is still Jesus. And it wasn't a preacher, and it wasn't a church group, and it wasn't anybody else that my faith was put in long ago. It's Jesus Christ and Him alone. And this woman who had sought after physicians, and by the way, let's not in our mind put her down at all. We tend to do the same thing. If, if something's happening to us and we think there might be help for it, we try to get help. It doesn't mean she's weak. It doesn't mean she is silly. She was doing what she knew to do and what was available to her. But then she heard of Christ and she said, if I can just get to Him. Thank God for everyone who's helpful in your life and everyone that's a blessing in your life. And I hope your focus will be on Christ alone. In the matter of salvation, it has to be on Christ alone. No one else could save you. Do you know one sinner can't save another sinner from their sin? The problem is, that uh, if we would forgive one another's sins, what are we doing with our own? If, we were, if, we, if I was going to somehow come and, and relieve you of your sin, how can I do that when I have my own sin? It took one who was sinless to do this, and it was Christ who did. And so I'm, I'm glad for that. And then let me say to you, not only her faith was based on here and her faith was focused on Jesus, but her faith took her past the giving up point. Twelve years. That's a long time. Twelve years. And by the way, it wasn't like she had the situation. It happened. And for twelve years, she was dealing with just that situation. According to the Scripture, that situation, it says she was nothing bettered, but grew worse. So her situation was worsening, not just staying bad. Twelve years. I don't know about you all, but with some things in life, twelve minutes is about enough. Amen? Amen? <laughs> That's a hard eating into that. Twelve hours, but twelve years? What happened? I don't know. Sister Ollie, I don't know what she was like when she heard of Christ. It's interesting to me. And I'm not going to take off a bunch of conjecture about it. But, you know, and she quit going to physicians? And she said, this is just the way it's going to have to be. And she just said, I don't know. It doesn't tell me. But I do know this. She heard of Christ. And what happened, that, that faith that took her to Christ, by the way, I can use that term because Jesus identified it as her faith. So that faith that took her to Christ took her past that giving up point. It's not like she had had that faith those 12 years. She had just heard of Christ. 
And when she heard of it, she came to it. It took her past that giving up point. Thank God for it. Um, I'm glad that it did. And uh, (laughs) nothing else could change it like he did. Then her faith changed her touch. You do understand that the virtue that went out of Christ to her. And I don't understand. I used to love what Brother Hill used to say about that. He said, I I don't understand everything I know about that. And that's one of those conditions. It wasn't her physical touch that did it. She did physically touch. That literally happened. But you understand there were a bunch of people physically touching Christ. The reaction of the disciples? What? (laughs) Who touched my garment? Do you see? (laughs) Hello? (laughs) What are you asking us? A lot of people were touching him. But somebody touched him. There's a difference. And that difference caused the virtue to go out to her. Because when she came, she came with a heart of faith towards Christ. Virtue didn't go out because of the physical touch. The crowd thronged him. But she touched him in a different way. He, she didn't throng him. It wasn't, oh, this is a popular teacher. Oh, this is someone who's done miracles. Oh, this is somebody who, man, what, what great things we're seeing in our town, in our city, in our area. Oh, this is, this is a teacher come from God. Let's get as close as we can. Let's meet him. Let's do this. Let's do that. No! Hers was this. He could help me. I have to have something from him. It was a touch of faith. It's different. Her faith led her to see she was open before the Lord. I'll read a passage to you uh, out of Luke. And uh, I told you that uh, there in Mark, it says that she turned and told him all the truth. It's explained a little more fully even in, in Luke. Listen to this verse. It says about it, the, uh, help if I get in chapter 8 instead of chapter 9, it says this statement, listen. It says, And when the woman saw that she was not hid, I love that too. She was she wasn't wanting to make a show. You know that? She wasn't trying to do some kind of big spectacle of healing here. She wasn't wanting to go, oh, look what, you know, brag on things. She 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 realized she wasn't hid. It says, when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed. Immediately. Interesting. She was honest before the Lord. Real faith will take you to that. You get honest before God. In fact, you'll never really know Christ until you get honest with God. As long as you deceive yourself, you'll be deceived. When the apostles came, the Bible says that they came preaching, they preached repentance towards God, and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That ever needs to be our message. That's why we need to understand. Repentance towards God means we're willing to accept what God says about our condition and our situation. The message I was on my mind also in my heart I didn't preach this morning had to deal with Gethsemane. And it's interesting, I was reading in Mark 14, I was reading about the events there when they they were going and Jesus was telling them that, uh, that all of them would deny Him that day. And He said that uh, the Scripture will be fulfilled despite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And he said, all of you will deny Me this day. And Peter says, 
all would deny him, but I won't. And he thought he was an exception. Yeah, that's kind of a rude thing to say to the other disciples. Yeah, these guys are all going to deny you, but not me. I'm good. I won't do that. Well, too often, we have a lack of repentance toward God. Repentance toward God says, God, I am weak. God, there have been plenty of times in my life when I knew what was wrong. I did it anyway. I make all the weird excuses I want to in the world, but the reality is, I did it because I wanted to. It's amazing. The lady I talked to on the west side town over here, I still remember I was talking to her at her door. And uh, she came out and talked for a little while. And uh, as the conversation went on, I brought up the subject of the fact that all have sinned. And she very boldly said, I never have. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, you really believe you never sinned? She goes, yeah, I never sinned. I reverse. And he said, I've not sinned. Deceived himself. The truth is not in and uh, the last time I would used that had been up in southeast Chicago and the guy I quoted that chapter he told me he was sinless cursed me and I thought man he's got quite a vocabulary for sinless dude but, <laughs> but this woman she didn't do that I read the verse to her and she looked at me as cool collect as anything and she said well obviously then it must be wrong because I've never sinned I said, what'd you do? I said, well, man, I can't do a thing for you. As Jesus said, it was not those that were whole, those that were sick that needed the physician. I told her, I said, as long as you think that way, neither I nor God can do a thing for you. Now, you might want to check with your relatives and see if they've got that same opinion. I think that would be a terror to hear that. Somebody thinks they're that self-righteous. Woo! Yeah. That'd that. be bad news, wouldn't it? I don't have to say that at all. I hope. I, that's, that's not guts. That's just foolishness to say that. Oh, there you go. That's even better. But what happened was, and not understanding that there's repentance towards God. Not looking around and saying, well, I'm better than this one. I'm better than that one. Well, I don't do this. I don't do that. Well, thank God. If it's something bad, if it's something you should be doing, I'm glad you don't. I'm glad your character level is different than that. But before a holy God, we're all needy. And so she got very honest. And her faith caused her to be open with Christ. Let me say something by way of instruction, and it will be of comfort to you if you'll take it as instruction. The more you are willing... To get very honest with your God, the more you will experience His life and His help in your living. I'm not talking about you need to be telling somebody else everything, about, but if you will get very honest with your God, if you will be very honest with your God, then He will give you strength and comfort that you're not going to know until you are very honest with Him. And He has a lot for you. Um, but it requires honesty. You need to hear your own voice and hear if you're making excuses for wrong behavior. 
If you're hiding behind what life and circumstances brought to you, instead of deal realistically with the fact, here's some things that affect me, here's some things which have caused me a problem, but I'm responsible for what I do now with them. See, that's reality. And when you approach it that way, you'd be approaching it biblically. Here this woman is. Jesus turns around who touched me. She knew. She knew something just happened. She knew, you know. You didn't tell. She knew she was well. I mean, for 12 years, this was something she had not known. She was well. She felt whole. She felt, she felt well. And what happened was, as she did that, and Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? And the disciples were saying, what are you talking about? Who touched me? She's scared to death. Because she was not supposed to be touching this garment. She knew she was technically out of line. But she also knew something wonderful had just happened. And so she tells him all the truth. I wonder, you know, Jesus Christ is truth. He didn't just have truth, he is truth. But you look in the eyes of truth, she said, I'll tell you what I did. And she confessed before everybody, Here, here's, here's what he just did for me. And here, here's what he did. By the way, that's a wonderful thing. I tell you, that's one of the neatest things to watch when God's people, when people have actually got a hold of the Lord and when they've had this type of touch of faith where they actually, the Lord's done something in their life. Not just that they've adopted religion. You can learn how to be religious. Go along with the system, but that's not the same as having life through Christ. But when people actually have life through Christ, what ends up happening is that life in them, it leads them to a place where their talk is more along this line. Let me tell you what Christ did for me. Let me tell you how good He's been to me. Let me tell you how good God is. And their conversation tends to be about the goodness of God, but certainly not about the goodness of their self. And then let me say finally to you, her touch of faith let her see the kindness of the Lord. Look in again at the passage that we read there in Mark chapter 5 and look what Jesus said and how He said it to her. I absolutely love it. And uh, verse, uh, verse 34, And He said unto her, Jesus said to this woman, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. And the whole and behold of thy plague. And Luke 8, the word comfort is in there also. But he called her his daughter. That's an affectionate term. Daughter. In other words, you're one of mine. Broken. Hurting. Set aside in a sense unclean. But you're mine. And he said, daughter. Hello? So you're free. And that type of touch lets you understand the relationship that we actually can have with God. Not going on, oh, yeah, if I do this, I go to hell. If I do this, I go to heaven. Oh, my goodness. How foolish, shallow, and ignorant of the scripture that thinking is. No, but it's a relationship. No. <laughs> Never had a daughter. Still don't. Got a granddaughter. And uh, tell you what, I don't mind at all. And the little hands go up and she says, Happy. And she wants to come. Don't mind at all. You say, Why? Because there's affection. Long to the Lord. This is amazing. You know who this is highly amazing for in, in the church here at times? For folks who at some point in their life have had religious training 
that has painted God to be waiting there just to destroy them. And they're forever trying to measure up to some kind of relationship. Instead of knowing that we belong to Christ, realizing He actually loves us, and serving Him because we belong to Him. See, real holiness, which is the life that comes from God, produces that kind of a relationship with God. And uh, every moment that we walk in that way, we're walking in a good way. Touch of faith. Now, most of you, if I ask the question, if you know Christ is your Savior, most of you in the room would raise your hand, and you do. But can you see, even for those of us who are saved, there's a lot of teaching in this about learning to walk this walk of faith. And if you've never trusted Christ, why don't you get your focus on Him today? The issue is not religion and conflict and this one and that one believes this or that and philosophy and, and I don't understand everything how it works. Well, no. No one does. So you're starting to get a point. The issue comes down is Jesus Christ who He said He was. The Son of God coming to this world to seek Him to save that which is lost. Did He die on that cross in our place? And yes, He did it. Did He rise again with power three days later? That's the real issue. I remember walking all the way across Clay, West Virginia. <laughs> Not a huge town. But I was preaching revival down there and it's coal mining country. And uh, you're either going up or down everywhere you walk because that's only two directions. Nothing's flat. And uh, I was walking with a fellow and, and I, had, I was there and I was encouraging the church along the lines of witnessing and such and we had a good meeting. But I'd encourage the church people to each take a stack of three gospel tracts and during the course of the meeting to hand each of those out to somebody during that week, giving them a very small baby step to begin on so that they could start learning to do that. And so, wanting to be highly involved with what I was doing, I had to stack myself. And so when I went out the double doors of the church at the end of the service, the first service uh, that I was there, there was a fellow walking. I saw him and I ran up to him and I said, hey, I want to give you this and talk to you for a second. Well, he was willing to talk. I mean, I'm telling you that this guy was willing to talk. He was willing to talk about the Lord all day long. What he was not willing to do was quit walking. And so we went all the way across. I thought we were going to head all the way across the county before it was over. I was thankful that he was going to some little place right on the other side of town. And uh, Clay, West Virginia is small. You can't really get lost in it because it's one of these deals that's wedged down between the hills. So you're going to, you know, you can figure out where you are. But we kept going, and he talked, and we got to wherever he was going, and then he did stop and talk a moment, and he kept saying to me, he said, well, what about this, and what about that? And this guy had more questions than you can even imagine. What about this, what about that? And finally, I said, look, it comes down to this. And he said, what about this one that teaches, and that one? I said, it comes down to this. It comes down to there's only one that has had the power to raise from the dead. There's only one that can defeat death and came back after three days. And he looked at me and he says, well, he says, I got nothing to say about against that. And I said, what are you going to do with it? He looked at me, at me. the guy, he's a lean sort of fellow. And uh, he, he looked like he was about 80, he may have been 40, I don't know. It looked like there was a few rough miles on those tires. Uh, but he, he, he looked at me and he said, I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. I don't know. And he walked on, man. I walked on and he went to in where he was going. What was it? You see what I'm saying? A man need to touch the Lord. Just get down to this thing of the need of the Lord. 
Let me pray with you, all right? Father, thank you for your words. And as uh, much as I should give this morning, please go way, way beyond what my words are able to convey. I would love this morning to be someone who let somebody else hear about you so they can get a hold of you how they need to. I pray you'll strengthen that one's heart that's here that needs a touch, needs to touch you. And Lord, that you'll work in their life, please. Amen. Let's stand together if you would. A good time to bring before the Lord what you need to. We have a song invitation. You want to come this morning? Maybe a particular situation you need. If you don't know Christ is your Savior, why put that off? Why not come to the Lord now and seek Him? Talk to the Lord. Use your own words, your own way, and tell Him what you need.